Well, we are working our way through the book of Ephesians, and we're in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we looked last Sunday at the uh, four communication gifts of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor teachers, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And by the way, those are online. If you missed uh, last Sunday, you can, you can get those. I, and I hope that you will, so you can stay up with us here on, these, on the gifts. And uh, these are, uh, we said last Sunday, gifts that flow from the ascended Christ, according to verse 8. So he gives us these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, verse 11, uh, to, as he puts it here in verse 12, to train or equip or motivate, mobilize the saints for the work of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Um, these, these four, I call them communication gifts or speaking gifts uh, in verse 11, but they're actually, there's, that's a very small list of the gifts. There's actually uh, two or three lists of gifts. There's a list in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. I'll just read this to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there's a variety of gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit. There's a variety of kinds of service, but it's the same Lord overall, and He's appointed in the church apostles and prophets and teachers, and also miracles, miracles and healing and helping, the gift of helping. And the gift of administration, the gift of tongues, amen. I didn't write it, but it's in there. Romans 12, 6 gives us a list of gifts. We have gifts according to the grace that's given to us, prophecy, service, gift of service. I came up uh, yesterday afternoon just to uh, help set up and clean up, get ready for today, and, uh, and Chris was already here. Chris, hold your hand up. Chris is, uh, uh, has a gift of helps. He just, he was already here working, cleaning, fixing, and I think you were here when I left, Chris. I, I only stopped in to say hello and God bless and see you. <laughs> but Oh, we need these gift of helps. And in Romans 12, 6 through 8, it talks about the gift of serving and teaching and encouraging others. There are some people, just you just walk into their presence, you're automatically encouraged. They have a special gift for it. Now, we're all to encourage, but some people have a special knack for it. There's a gift of giving, First Corinthians, or Romans 12, 6 through 8. Giving. Oh, for more of those gifts. A gift of leadership. Gift of mercy. The gift of mercy. That's just somebody who has a knack and an instinct 
to help the most undeserving person. They have a heart that just goes out for people that you would that are least uh, likely to get help from anyone else. The gift of mercy, uh, little kindnesses, and these are all gifts that God gives to us. And remember that the calling and the particular gifts of verse 11, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, is to mobilize and motivate the saints, verse 12, to do the work of ministry. In other words, the first, the verse, the gifts in verse 11 is to get the other gifts operating. Because 1 Corinthians 12 says that every person has a gift. There are varieties of gifts with the same spirit. And he is given to each of us as he is appointed. Uh, So everybody has at least one gift. Some people have more than one gift. But the communication gifts or speaking gifts of apostles and prophets and teachers, those are to mobilize and motivate people to do their gifts. To do the work, as he puts it here in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. The, the, the people are the ministers and the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are the equippers and trainers and motivators for those ministries. But it's the people who do the ministry. They, in their particular gift and giftedness that the Holy Spirit gives to you. This... Uh, this jumped out at me because I do remember my in my first church in Texas, uh, which was uh, about 30 or 40 minutes from uh, seminary, and um, they, they, they told me uh, when I went there, they said, we, we feel like that God has called us to, be, to train ministers. That's what we do. We, uh, because the seminary is just up the road, there's... 2,000 pastors being trained, and so we're, we're a church where they come in, stay a couple of years till they graduate, then they move on. So we're kind of here to train, give you a, be a training ground for you. And I remember that because this is the exact opposite here in verse 12. The, the church doesn't train the ministers, the ministers train the church to be the ministers. And that's one of the things I think that, um, that Paul is emphasizing here for us. Let me, uh, um, let me give you, bring that chart up if you would, uh, the next slide. Because I want to give you something, I want to show you something here. He says um, in verse 13, here's the... Here's the result of it. Till we all attain to a unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the the measure which is the stature. Uh, Is there a chart? Is there a spectrum of... Yes, thank you. Don't make me ask again. (laughs) Um, what is maturity? That, that's a question. 
How do we know if we're emotionally mature? And look here in verse 13. Till we all attain the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, mature manhood or adulthood, and he's not talking about physical maturity here, but he means emotional and spiritual. To the measure, verse 13, the last phrase, the measure which is the stature of Christ in his fullness. Christ in his full uh, maturity and particularly in his sacrificial self-giving. That's the full measure of maturity. Now that would be on the far end of the scale. Christ is the example. Christ is the standard of what is mature. How do I know if I'm mature? How like Christ are you in sacrificial service? Now on this end is the self-promoting, self-seeking. You must decrease so I can increase. On that end is I decrease so you can increase. Now, this is why he says, the ma- we come to this, we equip the saints for ministry. See, now follow his argument. We equip the saints for ministry and service. Why? So they can attain the full measure of maturity which is seen in Jesus Christ. That's the argument. How do I know if I'm mature or if someone's mature? How close are they to the fullness, the standard of Jesus Christ? I give you this illustration. Um, In October of 2001 in Fort Worth, Texas, and you you may have read this, but uh, Shantae Mallard, 27 years old, was driving home after a party, and it was about 3 in the morning. She, did, she didn't see the man walking across the freeway. So she went, plowed right into him and hit him directly so that his, his body head first went right through the windshield into her front seat. Uh, it didn't kill him. But what, seemed, what happened next just seemed to be incomprehensible. She stopped, of course, and shocked at what happened and looked at at the man and looked around to see if anybody was looking, got back in her car and drove home, parked in her garage and closed the door. And the man still encased in the windshield. Alive. Moaning. Uh... She left him there for two days, and then he died. But she would come out and apologize. I'm so sorry that this happened. I didn't mean to hit you. And then she'd turn around and go back in the house. Finally, she got her boyfriend to come over, and they took the body and dumped it. But the boyfriend finally turned her in, and she was arrested and sentenced to 50 years in prison. She's in jail right now, as in 2001. Shantae Mallard. How does... Where do you put that on the scale? See, this is... That would be the far end over here, right? That's way over. 
Now, we might take somebody like Mother Teresa, who gave up marriage, family, happiness in the United States with all the prosperity, became a nun, moved to Calcutta, India, lived in poverty, ate what the lepers ate, and set up a household for the dying and did it to the end of her life. Now, that would be on the other end of the scale. Most of us are neither a Mrs. Mallard or a Mother Teresa. We're somewhere along the line here. If you want to go to the nth degree, Jesus is at that far end. He's the standard, the ultimate standard. Most of us are somewhere in the middle. How do you move from one direction to another? How do, how do you take steps toward maturity? And that's, that's why you don't want to miss the argument. He gives these apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers to train and mobilize and motivate the saints to do the work of ministry, to build up the body. How, how, does, how does it build us up? Because it brings us, verse 14, or verse 13, into that full manhood, that adulthood of the measure which is Christ, who is our standard. It moves us in the direction of Christ whenever we give ourselves to service. This is particularly service in the kingdom of God. Now, one might think, oh, that's depressing. But Jesus said in John 12, I say to you, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. I don't know, do you want to bring forth fruit or do you want to live a barren, useless, unproductive life spiritually? And he that loves his life, John 12, 25, he that loves his life just protects it and it's all about him. He that loves his life shall lose it. Uh, we could ask Miss Mallard, I don't know, what happens when you love your life so that others die so you can live rather than like Jesus, I die so they can live. I think she would say, I've lost my life. The decisions that we make and the direction that we take ultimately leads to not fruit, not life, but loss of both. In fact, Jesus said in John 13, he gathered his disciples in to the upper room and he laid off, took off his outer robe and he just washed their feet and served them. And he said, if, if you call me the Lord, you, you're calling me the right thing. But he said, and if I, the Lord, have done this to you, you do it for each other. And then here's what he says, John 13, 17. And if you know and you understand what I'm telling you, happy are you if you do them. Service makes us ultimately deeply happy. You can take a young teenage girl, we might think frivolous, superficial, who giggles his, her way through high school. 
and meets a guy and decides that her freedom, I want to give this freedom up. I want to give it to her or to him. <laughs> not, not to her, but to him. And, I, and, she, and she marries him. Why would she do that? Most people get married because they feel like, and what's she going to do? She's going to be washing clothes. She's going to be having children. She's going to be mowing the yard, <laughs> washing his car. She's going to give her life to service. And then when she has kids, I mean, your life is over. Your life is over. But why do people continue to do it? Because somehow there's an instinctive sense within us that says the way of giving your life to others is actually the way of happiness. And Jesus calls us to that. And let me point out to you in this passage three or four things that come when we serve. We, my job, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers' job is to train and mobilize and motivate the saints for the work of ministry to serve, the work of service, so that they can become mature. So here's the first one. Maturity. Verse 13. Till we all come to the maturity which is measured by the fullness of Christ. That's in verse 13. And verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. So the first thing that happens is we move on that scale. We move down that scale toward maturity, emotional maturity, and that is a blessing. So that's number one. Number two is, and I would call this um, perception, I think, discernment. I'm going to, I'm inserting this one because look in verse 14, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning. One of the things that happens as you mature, as you serve, as you get anchored in that purpose which is greater than yourself you're investing in the kingdom, not just a local church, but the kingdom and that which is eternal, that then the maturity and the perception begins to grow so that you're not just tossed here and there by every value that comes along that says, hey, I'm more important than this. I came in one day this week and uh, uh, some of the ladies were here and one... Uh, one of the little guys met me. He was he's about three or four, and he comes running up to me, and he's got this big gob of gooey red stuff in his hand, and he said, "Look what I got." <laughs> it's like you wouldn't believe the treasure that's right here in my hand. I was looking at his hand; it's a dirty hand, and and his uh, and it was stuck to his hand, and it was gross looking, and. It, wasn't, it didn't look like treasure to me. But I, he thought it was. And he dropped it. Oh, then he gets down. Ah, see? <laughs> I mean, he's so happy. Now, if his other brother or other sister came by and said, 
I got a yellow one. Huh. I want a yellow one. <laughs> See, we expect children to be like that, right? That's immaturity. And so what he says here is, so that we be no longer children, verse 14, tossed to and fro by every wave that comes along. But we learn what is valuable in life. We learn what is to invest in in life. We learn what we are giving ourselves to is Christ and his kingdom. And that keeps us from being immature and tossed to and fro. We get it down. Perception. Discernment. The, uh, the third thing that I would put here is, uh, in verse 14, is stability. So we no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but rather we're anchored. When we give ourselves to service, we are anchored and stable because we have a harbor in which we have put that anchor. It's not unusual during the week to get a phone call as I did this week um, of a lady who has cancer. And the thing is, and they just bought a house. And now the prognosis is not good. And I don't know about this woman's faith. She's not a member here, but but I do know what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15. He said to them, take care, be on your guard against covetousness. Your life does not consist in the abundance of the things you possess. Look what I got. You got a new house? Look what I got. New car? Hey, look what I got. Yeah, but your life is not defined by that. See, this is what we're to do. We're to help people to see. Be careful of what you're holding in your hand and looking and showing everybody. And Paul is saying, what about service? Giving your life away to that which counts for eternity. The, the thing that he puts in verse 15, but rather he says, speak the truth in love, growing up, in every way unto him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. Um, this verse 15 and 16, I really had to think about that, and I'm still not sure exactly what the apostle is putting together here in verse 15 and 16, because he's a lot smarter than I was, than I am. But here's what I think that the apostle, at least in some, is saying in verse 15 and 16. He's saying every, every person has a part. And when every part does its part, the whole body grows. It blesses the whole body. It's like, like your human eye, your ear, your hands. Each part doing its part makes the whole body function. We had a guy when I pastored in Texas and he, he had a glass eye. And sometimes he, he'd get a bunch of kids around him and then he'd pop that eye out and say, hey, y'all want to play with this? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, don't do that to the children. You scare them. 
And I'd have to tell him, Ronald, put your eye back in. Leave your eye in your head. Because he would, shoot, he'd scare me. And because it's like your eye doesn't belong out on the floor rolling around like a marble. It belongs there. Paul is saying when every part is in its place, doing, carrying out its role, the whole body is blessed by it. Nothing is unimportant here. No part of the body is unimportant. We were coming back from Grand Rapids, I think it was last year, maybe it was year before last, and I, I, I had been sick the night before, and I didn't know what it was, but it's that pain in the back, lower back, right in there, which I found out later is a good sign of a kidney stone. So the next morning I told Jan, I said, we got to head back to Flint because this is getting really rough. And on the way back, about a two-hour drive, I could not hardly take the pain. She'd, we'd drive for a few minutes, and then she'd stop, and I'd throw up. We'd drive a little while longer, she'd stop, and I'd throw up again. It was rough. I was just saying, God, if you'll heal me, if you'll help me, I promise I will never sin again. <laughs> I either in this life or the next. And, you know, uh, driving into Flint, it's like it just stopped. And uh, I guess the kidney stone passed. But from then on, it was wonderful. Oh, the relief. Oh, the relief. Have you ever thanked God for your kidneys? They're pretty important. If you ever want to say, hear somebody say, you know, if I could just trade my kidneys for a couple of more legs, I'd be in the crim. <laughs> you know, I have four legs. I could win. I could have been a contender. But you can't trade your kidneys. You need your kidneys. Even those services that are tucked away, you don't think about them. I ask people to do to be greeters out here. <laughs> and you need happy greeters. It's hard to find some happy greeters. <laughs> We ask people to do prayer ministries. Have you considered a prayer ministry? Just once a week, gathering a group together in your home and praying for us. You know why? Because we desperately need God and His blessing. Would, you, would somebody just consider that? Just get two or three women or two or three young people in your house once a week and just pray for us. Say, I know, but that's inconvenient. Oh, where are you on the scale here? Is it all about you? Which direction are you going on that? How about moving toward others increase, I decrease? Happy are you if you do? 
just once a month. Pray for us. Nursery workers. We're always needing nursery workers. Teachers and helpers ages 3 to 12. Uh, Opportunities to frame and form the minds of these beautiful children. Youth workers. We've got coming up uh, November 30th here at the Fieldhouse, about 25, 30 churches. I don't know how many, but it's, a, it's dozens of them bringing all their teenagers together here in this, in this place. November 30th, Friday night. Um, our, part of our band is going to be playing in the band that night. And we need chaperones and helpers, November 30th. Somebody to do coffee and donuts. How many people, Nick, how many we got doing coffee and donuts? Three, four. Um, if you could just do coffee and donuts once a month. See Nick uh, Ramsey back there after church today. Um, Compassion International. This, this ministers, sponsors a child overseas who may not hear the gospel or be able to make it without somebody's help from the outside. Angel tree ministry. I didn't even know we had an angel tree ministry. But I said, what is that? I was talking to Connie. She said, we're providing Christmas gifts for children whose parents are in prison. You can see Connie Collins about that. By the way, let me say something about Connie and Dave. They are the most gifted uh, uh, couple that I have been privileged to know. They can do everything. They do computers, they do sound system, they do singing, they do... The, I'm on video, I'm on TV, that's why we painted this blue. They're trying to hide as much of me as possible. But they painted, they painted it. Dave fixes cars, he'll fix your car for free. The, the, the last rocket that went to the moon, that was Dave in that. Uh, cleaning and maintenance. Chris has kind of been coordinating all that, but I know that Andy and Julie uh, come up and clean. I know Brad and Joanne come up and clean. Uh, is, does anybody else come up and clean, Chris? Did I? I don't want to miss them. Who? Oh, Dave comes up and cleans. Mike and Teresa. Um, but if... If we had more cleaners, we need the floor to be cleaned. We need, see those doors are rusting through? We've got to fix those doors. They're rusting through. We need the carpet cleaned. You, we, will do, we will pay for the carpet cleaner if we just have somebody come and do it. We need somebody to do store, uh, snow removal on Sunday mornings, just on the sidewalks. We've got somebody to do the plowing. We just need the salt and the shoveling there's a bulb burned out in the atrium who's supposed to fix that i don't know not me (laughs) i'm supposed to train you guys to do it okay you unscrew it like this that's isn't that did i get this right here guys 
They are to equip the saints for the work of service. Um, There's a balloon wrapped around the fan in the atrium ceiling. We need somebody to crawl up there. I don't know how how we're going to get that down. Anybody got ideas? It's amazing how much creativity can be in a room, though. We need some help. Uh, We need drawings and plans and designs for a new children's building. We are going forward with this, folks. We've got money committed coming in right now. But we don't know what size to make it. We need some help on that. What kind of building? It needs to match this one to a certain extent. Landscaping. We need somebody who would oversee, who would visit the sick and even coordinate visiting the sick. We have sick people. And somebody needs to say, you know, I love to visit sick people and pray for them. These are just opportunities of service. There are some gifted people that I'm just saying this is a wide open frontier for service if you want to do something for God. What we did, um, we've I asked Chris and uh, Patty. In fact, why don't you guys make your way out there? But they're, uh, they've got this little uh, chart. They'll, if you would like to talk to me about it or talk to them about it, they'll be out there. They'll take your name, phone number, and the area of service you might be interested in would have questions on. And they'll do that on your way out. That's our invitation today. So you can mature. So you can grow toward Christ-likeness and not be a child and, and dr- blown with the wind and going after everything, but investing in that which is permanent, eternal, and blessed. And that's the calling, I believe, that God puts on us as a church. Let's pray. Father, stir our hearts to do your will, to know your mind. Help us not waste our lives on the little handfuls of gooey candy that the world offers. Help us to invest in eternity and in the spirits of men and souls of men in your church which you promised to build. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.